It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The race for the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference is on like Donkey Kong. And so we are talking today with Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs, the team with whom the Toronto Raptors are tied for the sixth seed, about where the Cavs are at, the state of the team as it stands right now. Also, how valuable is getting the sixth seed? Does it actually matter all that much or not? We will get into those questions. Plus, who does Chris and who do I have for Rookie of the Year as it stands right now between Scotty Barnes and Devin Mobley? All coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. It's crossover day, baby. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on welcome to episode number 1141 of locked on raptors for friday march the 18th i'm your host sean woodley of raptorshq.com you can find me on twitter as always at woodley sean you can find the show at locked on raptors where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast and of course please make sure to check out the entirety of the locked on podcast network on your favorite podcast apps you can follow subscribe rate review we got shows covering all your favorite teams including locked on raptors uh, covering your toronto raptors you can also go and check out the podcast on youtube you can hit the big red subscribe button over there it's much appreciated when you support the show and join the over 1700 satisfied customers watching video every single day you can stream on your tv it's uh, apparently a very convenient way to watch the podcast or listen to the podcast slash consume it so go and give it a try uh, all right, on today's show, we are joined by Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs for a little crossover. The Raptors and Cavs play a big game next week. They are currently tied for six of the Eastern Conference, and so we figured it was a good time just to get a bit, of, a bit of a read on the state of both teams, how things have been trending. The Raptors have been much better than the Cavs have been ever since. So about January 1st, honestly, you can go back that far, and the Raptors have outpaced them in a lot of different metrics. So we dig into, all right, what's real, what's not? How are the Cavs being affected by the loss of Jared Allen? And what is the value of the sixth seed actually? Does it really matter if these teams get there and are, and are avoiding the play-in? Or is it kind of a be-all, end-all type thing where you really, really want to push for sixth or better? Plus, where do the Chicago Bulls fit into this? We talked a little Rookie of the Year stuff at the end, too. Uh, it's a big, big one. So I hope you enjoy it. We're not going to waste any more time. We're going to get right to the conversation with Chris Manning from Lockdown Cavs. Enjoy. <laughs> 
It is Locked On Crossover Time. Sean from Locked On Raptors here with Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs to talk about the race for the sixth seed, rookie of the year. These two teams have been very intertwined all season long. Chris, buddy, how's it going? How are things over in Cavs land? You know, things are good for the most part. Uh, things are a little dicey right now, which we're going to talk about. But the weather's getting warm, Sean. I have good basketball Ooh. to watch in March, which is new for Ooh. me. You know, <laughs> it, you know, last year this was a little like like I'm watching a lot of Evan Mobley tape. I'm trying to you know you know squeeze in you know Kate Cunningham highlight tape uh, tapes in between games, and here I am just you know not having basketball that matters in my life. Yeah, I think by this time last year, I was on about episode number six of talking about the top seven of the NBA draft. Uh, <laughs> I was currently mired in a month where the Raptors went one and 13 and were totally riddled, riddled by COVID. It's much better now. They're, they've won five in a row. They just closed out a really great road trip. And they are now tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers for the sixth seed. In the Eastern Conference, the Cavs have the tiebreaker uh, because of some dumb BS on Boxing Day, and uh, really, that's it. But <laughs> wait, are the Cavs? The Cavs are three and zero against the Raptors, so maybe that's uh, yeah. And it's and not, it's not all about Boxing Day, well, but and, it's and, fine. But notably, there is one more game to play in Toronto. There is, which yes. standings wise, like could matter. But then, like, will it will it be like give one team a one game advantage? I don't know. It, it's all mm -hmm. very tight and complicated, and uh, we also should abolish divisions because I just I would rather have. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to throw that in there in this discourse that like, we don't need to worry about the visions because I think that's like it's not a tiebreaker that matters here, but it could have. Yeah, if it yeah. Was like the, if they were like even, and I just want to say abolish divisions anyway. Yeah, the Raptors and Bulls could have the if the Raptors beat the Bulls on Monday, they could have the, the division tiebreaker become a thing, which. Uh, I don't even know how that would shake out. But either way, let's dig into the Raptors and Cavs and the race for the sixth seed, man. Like the sixth seed is been this sort of like valued prize all season long. Uh, and I think it's become especially so considering what the Brooklyn Nets are doing and where they're eighth in the East right now. They look like they're kind of maybe getting themselves together a little bit now that KD's back. We don't know when Ben Simmons is going to return. Uh, and obviously Kyrie is Kyrie and who the hell knows. But, uh, you know, the race for the sixth seed has felt like it's had a little bit more heft to it as the Nets have fallen down. Uh, the Cavs felt for a while like they were kind of clear of that conversation altogether. Were they going to get home court in the first round? They could still. It's so clustered. You know, nothing is, is set in stone or anything like that. But you've now got the Raptors and Cavs tied at 39 and 30. And the Bulls, who are flailing and have the toughest schedule in the NBA down the stretch, which is an absolute murderer's, murderer's row of games, they're only uh, a couple games ahead. And so for you, like, what do you think is the value? of the six seed for the Cavs, for all these teams? Like, is it as an important thing as we are making it out to be? You know, you, you, I guess the sort of counter argument to it being very important is, well, you're going to play a really difficult team in the first round anyway, so what does it really matter? Uh, where are you at in terms of the overall value of the six seed? So I, I think of it in two ways. Number one, I think from a pure development standpoint, I think both these teams we would say are in a development phase, right? Like I think yeah. both these, whichever one of these teams makes the six seed, Whichever one of these teams doesn't. These are not title teams, probably. This isn't yeah. a Brooklyn situation where like they might be in the plane and, and make the finals anyway because they're just so outrageous, right? Mm -hmm. Both these teams, for the most part, have, are going to have guys that are going to go through the seven-game series for the first time. This would be the first for Evan Mobley, obviously, for Scotty Barnes, for Darius Garland, for pick whatever. Most of the other young guys, Toronto is a little different because of Fred, because of OG, because they've had some guy because of Pascal, because they've had guys go through the title run. But there's still a lot of guys that you want to have go through that seven game 
ringer and to go through that and learn how to game plan and understand the intensity difference. I think there's so much value to that. I look at like Memphis as an example, mm-hmm. that, right? Like they made the playoffs last year and they didn't go anywhere, but they got to go through that. And I think that yeah. that can be a catalyst and that we maybe don't value enough, especially when teams are like the Cavs getting that this year for them would be really ahead of schedule for Scotty Barnes to get that as a rookie. I think that would be a big deal. You, you can't just explain how important that is. You have to go through that stuff. Secondly, I think if you just want to, you want to get a, you want to guarantee that as a succeed, but the play in Sean would suck because yeah. especially for the Cavs, because if you have to host that game, Kyrie Irving can play in Ohio because the vaccine mandate are different in uh, Ohio than, than, uh, than in Ontario. So mm-hmm. you would have to beat Kyrie and you, there's just so much more chance with that. And you'd rather just get there, get the seven games and not have to play Brooklyn. Whether that means you have to deal with and beat and harden for seven games is like a whole other thing. And like, that's knowing yeah. whatever you'd rather have that than having to take a one game playoff against Kyrie and, and the Nets or Ky- the Kyrie less Nets even because KD on his own is, is terrifying. Yeah, the Kyrie against Cleveland of it all is a spicy meatball that I don't want to touch at all because Kyrie seems like someone who would let a grudge kind of uh, explode. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, don't know if that's going super well for you in a single game knockout situation if he is playing. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I agree that the huge value here for both of these teams is just getting in and guaranteeing yourself the ups and downs and the sort of rigors of a playoff series, maybe two if things break their way, right? Like there's a lot of value to learning what your team is all about when the playoff environment kind of kicks in. And, and you know, this has been a, th- a thing I've been talking about all season with the Raptors is I think the Raptors are in a bit of a, a different spot than the Cavs. The Cavs are a lot younger, obviously, with their core sure. guys. Their core guys are still on rookie deals for the most part. Um, you know, obviously Jared Allen is is you know, making money. And I guess Garland's up for an extension this summer. So it's not going to be, you know, all rookie deals forever when it comes to the Cavaliers or is Garland already extended? Am I crazy? Garland's getting a max contract. Okay. Yeah. I figured that was happening in the summer. So um, yeah, but either way, like they're still young and everyone's 22 or whatever, or younger. And there's a little bit more of a runway here for them to figure out what they are. So I don't think it's like a disaster if they don't get a playoff series, but I totally take your point that it's incredibly valuable if they do and the grizzlies comparisons are really good one with the raptors like they are a little bit further along right their main guys outside of scotty barnes are all and i guess precious achua if you want to lump him into the core group now that with the way he's played lately you know their their core guys are on their second contracts they're on their third contracts they're guys who are in their late 20s and their their peak is not ending anytime soon necessarily but it's very much happening as we speak and you gotta see what this team looks like in a postseason series to really get a full gauge of, you know, this whole season has kind of been a fact-finding mission for the Raptors front office just to see, hey, can this weird style of play work? How do all these things come together? One of those big questions is, hey, is this team like equipped for playoff basketball? Can Pascal Siakam carry over the success he's had to being a number one in the playoffs? Can Fred Van Vliet, you know, get over some of the trouble he's had with length in the postseason in the past? Can Scotty Barnes be someone who you run your offense through when the chips are down in the postseason? If you go through this entire year and don't get that, you know, four to seven game proof of concept, then you're really kind of going into the offseason blind as the Raptors front office. And I think that, you know, it makes the decision making process this summer a whole lot more difficult. So, yeah, the six seed's incredibly valuable. You know, playing the one game, it's not just the Nets either, right? Like, I don't know about you. I'm not exactly thrilled about the idea of losing the first play in game to the Nets than having to play the Hawks and Trey Young in a single game. Like, 
I don't think the Hawks are especially great. They have not come together. John Collins is hurt. But Trey Young can drop 50 on your head in a game and completely end your season. And you're sitting there like, well, what the hell happened? And you don't even like it, like it just feels like it all happened in the blink of an eye. So, yeah, making the 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 the, the top six is, I think, great. And, and just on a side note, I don't know how, how you feel about this with our teams both involved in this race. I love the play in and I love the race for the six seed. It makes it feel way more important. Are you a fan of the, the whole setup they've had the last couple of seasons? Yes, uh, I think for one, it adds. I, I think it just get like it opens up the pool. And I think like the the talent level in the league right now is is deep enough where like th- this matters. And like I understand if you don't mm-hmm. want to count making the play as the playoffs, I'm 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 cre- I'm good with that distinction. But I think it adds something. Uh, I think it adds some some chaos. I I'm certainly open to like maybe like if teams are too far behind like that eight seed. If, if maybe like if we want to tweak it that way and like maybe like the Lakers like if they're like fi- end up five games back as like the ten seed maybe like they don't get in because it's just not competitive. Like it's it's just not fair. To like <laughs> you get you mercyed know. out. <laughs> yeah yeah like it, like I'm open to that but uh, but like I think it, I think it's important because like I think I think sometimes like with team building we get like very we get very rushed and I think like it's sometimes these decisions also become hard to make. And I think like the thing that to me like links both of these and, and why even like a planned appearance for Cleveland might be useful is like, mm-hmm. and, and for Toronto too, it's like, look, you have to like make decisions every year in the off season that are kind like, you never know hundred percent if they're going to work, but you get more data, you get more film, you get like another chance to evaluate some of these in a different context. If you just go through this, and like mm-hmm. if you're trying to upgrade and if you're Toronto or Cleveland next year, like you want to be in a position next year where like, okay, we are going to like knock Boston and Chicago and like maybe one of these top teams take a step back for whatever reason, because you kind of assume Brooklyn's probably going to like take a step forward. Like it's going to be really competitive. If you want to avoid yeah. being in this conversation next year, it's about taking that next step. And this helps you, I think, figure out what that next step in theory could be right. Like in what you have yeah. to maybe do to your roster to kind of get there. It's I, I also just like wonder if I, I would like love to like after the fact, I kind of and, and we it's hard to know because the last years have been so weird, obviously, because of COVID. I, I kind of want to like if, if one of these teams go through to be interesting to ask them, like, is the intensity level for the guys that have gone through this, like Kevin Love, mm. uh, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal. Are these situations, does this plan have the same intensity as the playoffs? Like even if it is one game right. or you play two games back to back against two different teams, does that have the same intensity? Cause I, I don't, th- I don't know if we know that yet. Now that's, that's kind of like the unanswered question I have about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know I had a blast watching those playing games last year and will continue so to do so this They're year. So They're going to be a, a nightmare if one of our teams is in them to watch, I'm sure. But like, it's, uh, you know, I, I love the setup. I also think like how, how much have we been talking about how fun the basketball has been in March? Uh, we never talk about that. Usually basketball in March sucks. And the play-ins added like a whole new level of intrigue that I think is a delight. And I hope it doesn't go anywhere. Coming seventh or eight is no great honor. So I don't really care if you get, if you lose to the Lakers in the, like you can't beat the Lakers in a single game. Maybe you didn't deserve to be there anyway. Uh, let's continue on here like, in a sec, man. We're going to dive for the into record, for the, for the yeah. record. The Lakers stink, man. They stink. They stink. They're so bad. The Raptors the play them twice this week. The, the Cavs uh, on play, Monday, it was the Cavs played them Monday, and they played. They, they had like I just am like looking at the schedule. Okay, games they need to win. You got to beat the Lakers. You got to like. Yeah, that's a dub. That's a dub. Embarrass yep. LeBron at home. It's good stuff. 
Yeah, uh, we're going to continue on. We're going to just dig into the state of both the Raptors and Cavs right now as they push for the sixth seed. One team has won five games in a row. The other is kind of trending the other way. We're going to talk about what the state of both teams is in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. It is that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. And I think instead of going to fill out a bracket and sort of riding on every single, you know, oh, well, this loss here ruins this whole side of the bracket for me it's not a fun way to watch the tournament instead why don't you just go and bet on individual games that's a way better way to use your time use your energy around the tournament and you can get all the information the odds the contests and the player props that you need when you go to betonline.net it's the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info and it remains the best spot for your scores podcasts and news all season long you're never going to make a bet without being fully informed because bet online has you covered with all that info that you need and it's not just basketball. They've got you covered for all your other favorite sports. You've got sports wagering info. You've got live betting. You've got Vegas casino games, everything in between. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device and sign up and learn more about the trends and the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we continue on your first listen of the day with a little crossover action with Chris Manning of Locked on Cavs, Sean Woodley from Locked on Raptors here. Uh, let's dig, dig into where these teams are at right now. As it stands, both teams are tied at 39 and 30. Overall, the Cavs have a slight edge in terms of net rating on the season. But if you go back to January 1st, which is kind of when the Raptors first got whole for you know an extended stretch, it's where they kind of turned things around in terms of their season. Uh, the Raptors are currently sixth in defense since January 1st. They are 15th in offense. They have a net rating of plus 2.9. That's number 10 in the NBA. The Cavaliers, since January 1st, have the 22nd ranked offense. Their defense is ranked ninth, and their overall net rating is a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a plus 0.2. It's 16th in the NBA, right around a 500 team in terms of the metrics there. Uh, so let's just start with the Cavs. Like, obviously, Jared Allen's injury is a big thing here. Their start to the season was so torrid that it was always probably going to come back to earth in some way, shape, or form as the rest of the East kind of rounded into form. Uh, what have your impressions been of the Cavs here in recent stretches here, Chris? I mean, they're obviously great. They're super fun to watch. Darius yeah. Garland is kind of carrying the offense on his own, but it does feel like maybe he's kind of uh, got to get a little bit of help there. The Karis LeVert thing, you know, he's been hurt, so it hasn't quite had the same effect on their offense that maybe they intended when the deal happened. There's obviously time for that to turn around, but um, thoughts on the recent run of play here for the Cavs where they have not quite been at the same pace they were before the new year turned over. I think missing Jared Allen has obviously been a really, really big problem yeah. because he provides infrastructure as a lob threat. Uh, he provides that backline of defense. Like one of the things that really stood out when these two teams played the game he got hurt, coincidentally, was against Toronto, was yeah. that first quarter. They just built a wall against Siakam and Jared Allen was like the backline of that wall. So if he navigated the first two, three guys. Jared Allen's there and he's going to try to block your shot and he's going to at least contest you at a high level because he doesn't foul very much. And like that is just different now. Like when they played the mm -hmm. Sixers the other night, they made a, a important comeback and they looked better in the end of that game. But 
like Lowry marketing was defending Joel Embiid at the nail. That is not going to like give you the same <laughs> results as Jared Allen. Like, you know, Embiid still might score because he's Joel Embiid, but like it is your chances of doing better are, uh, let's just say a little higher if you have Jared Allen in that spot than not. And look, like the last two weeks, even their defense and, and net rating is a little bit worse. They've just looked, I think they've looked tired. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't think they have the depth that JB Bickerstaff really trusts. I think Evan Mobley and Darius Garland look like guys that have played a lot of minutes this year, and they have. Uh, and the Kara Silver thing is just kind of this thing going on the fly right now. It's very tricky. It's a weird thing to walk, and they don't look as, to me, it just looks like they don't look like they have the same pop in their legs the same the same kind of burst that they had like up until let's i maybe like pre-all-star break me a little bit past like they still have like Mm -hmm. the the effort level when they kind of need to pull it out like they did in coming back against philly but it is not sustained and frantic in the same way um like like it's it they're a little just a little off and and that leaves obviously an opportunity here yeah, and I mean, look, that happens when you have major pieces of your lineup out. And Raptors fans know that uh, all too well from this season where they've been missing guys. And OG Ananobi still unavailable. We're unsure when he's going to be back. He's not playing uh, tonight's game against the Lakers. We'll see if he can come back over the weekend. they got the Sixers and the Bulls and then the Cavs. It's a pretty big stretch here for the Raptors. Um, yeah, in terms of sort of where the Raptors have been like, do you have any sort of uh, burning questions for me about uh, sort of their trends of late? I, I, you know, I've covered it on this podcast a bazillion different ways, but uh, I'm always interested by the outside perspective of, Hey, uh, what's going on uh, with with this team? So what has the, the impact of Fred Van Vliet not being hundred percent been on, on what's going on here? Because I came away just very impressed by how they played when they were in Cleveland. Um, Mm -hmm. The, the five out sort of really small, like frantic sort of like uh, Mike Prada described it as like a Jurgen Klopp NBA team, which I found like, very <laughs> apt. And I really, really, I really like that uh, as just a, as a soccer nerd, just a lot of pressing and a lot of energy. But mm-hmm. Fred is Fred is obviously like probably the best player in the team still. And at the very least, like heart and soul of the team. Keep yeah. Going. Yeah. And like just a key spot on the team, right? Like, well, you're Siakam, like truther, so like I, I should. I mean, he's really good. I know. Have I you know. seen him lately? Yeah, yes, I just insane. I just, I just remember all the tweets last year when everyone was like, "Ah, Siakam's not good anymore," and you're like, "Actually, guys, like he's fucking incredible." And like, just, it's great like, being right. Let me tell you, yeah, it's, it's awesome it's, being it, right. It, yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but it is the energy. Is how have things been going well without Fred? I guess is sort of like my biggest question here. Yeah, I mean, so he's been kind of in and out, right? He, he's, you know, he'll sit a game. He'll come back for a game the last couple of weeks here. And, you know, when he's not there, it's certainly more of a grind, right? Like their offense just doesn't quite have the same zip. It's so reliant on Siakam and like now Scotty Barnes, who they've been asking to go and sort of create stuff for himself. You know, it's been very reliant on them and they're really good at it. And they've been able to sort of make it work. But without Fred, you're missing your best off-ball threat. You're missing your best pick-and-roll operator, you know, outside of probably Pascal or even Malachi Flynn has been really good at it, too. He's hurt, too, right now. Um, so, yeah, like, they just had to get super weird with it. And, hey, it's worked in some instances. Like, they can really smother teams with their length and with their aggressiveness on defense. Like, we saw this against the Nuggets on Saturday where they just completely blew them away with a lineup that barely featured any of their top players. Like it was Scotty Barnes and a bunch of weirdos just like harassing and making things miserable. Anytime the nuggets were trying to run an action, every time they were trying to run something through Jokic, like they're just, they're, they're everywhere. And I think their defense has really kind of come around here lately. I mentioned they're number six in the NBA in defense since January 1st. 
you know, that that's been a slow progression. It's not really been something that's kind of punched you in the face. Like, oh, wow. It's not like the Celtics, right, where they figure out their defense and they're just like this steamroller. It's been kind of a gradual thing where they, they've learned how to play, you know, within the confines of Nick Nurse's scheme, how to use their length and athleticism to their advantage. And they've helped. Now that sort of understanding of how to play that way has helped them compensate a little bit for the lack of Fred. But, you know, this team... It's an interesting thing right now and kind of a debate going on within, you know, people who follow the Raptors is like, what do you do with Fred here? Like, do you sit him out longer or do you just kind of keep letting him play through this injury when he can handle, handle the pain? You know, it doesn't sound like it's something he can really make all that much worse. It's like a, a bruise in his knee, um, which is painful as hell. And like, I, I don't know if there's any hope for it actually fully recovering this season. I'm not a doctor. I don't know how knee bruises work, but stands to reason that if you're on it every day, it's probably going to take a little while for that to heal. So, yeah, you know, there's this sort of back and forth of, do you try to play Fred as much as possible to win as many games as you can here to try to get into that sixth seed, which we've talked about is really valuable, or do you try to keep Fred fresh, sit him more often than he's playing in the effort to potentially have him closer to 100% once the playoffs come? Because if he's not available in the playoffs, you're probably screwed anyway. So, I, I don't really know where I come down on it, honestly. I, I think I just trust what the Raptors medical staff is doing, frankly, and just say, hey, like they have the metrics on this guy. They have the, the bioanalysis or whatever it is. They're going to make the call. I, I, I would hope that if he is going to keep playing every game, that there's like a little bit more of a happy medium and maybe he's playing 33 minutes in a game as opposed to 40. But it's hard to do that when he's the only point guard available right now with no Malachi Flynn. So, yeah, it, it, it's tricky, but... The best version of this Raptors team has Fred Van Vliet available. It has Fred Van Vliet working as an off-ball threat where he's just so, so dangerous. I think he's the best high-volume three-point catch-and-shoot three shooter in the league this year. Like That's a huge thing to not have in your lineup, and you can see how cramped and compressed things get when he's not there. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a, a completely different team. They figured out how to play without him a little bit, but I, I still am a lot more comfortable, and things just feel more organized and settled when he's available as opposed to when he's sitting. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's Fred. He's, he was a deserved <laughs> officer guy. Like he is yeah. like, it's just like, there's just gotta be, even for Nick nurse, there's probably such a drop off. And like, even if he likes Malachi Flynn, there's gotta oh, be yeah. such a drop off in like his trust and like his, your ability to do everything you want to do. And, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I guess like just, I mean, we gotta go into break soon, but like, has it led to more opportunities for other guys to create in, in any ways that is interesting. Like, has there been a Scotty? Has there been Scotty stuff that's been interesting? Has there been Pascal stuff yeah. that's been interesting? Like, well, has anything yeah. else stood out in terms of who's got an opportunity? I mean, Pascal all season, it's sort of been a slow seeding of the offense from Fred to Pascal, right? Like, it started off, Pascal missed the first 10 games of the year. Fred was doing everything. He was putting up those hilarious numbers where he was, you know, drawing all the all-star buzz. But it's been a slow sort of passing of the baton to Siakam because they just operate better when Siakam is the engine. He's such a good playmaker. He can make passes that Fred just can't because he's nine inches taller than him. Um, and obviously he can finish at the rim in a way that Fred can't either. And so I think they're happy kind of running stuff through Siakam as sort of their main creation engine. Um, but without Fred, yeah, there's been opportunities for other guys. I mean, we've seen Precious Achua go to work a little bit with some with the ball in his hands from time to time, and there's been mixed reviews there. But the highs are extremely high and get you very, very giddy and excited. The lows are uh, like taking a roller coaster and just driving it into the ground. Uh, but like it is, it's a fun thing to watch, no doubt. And then, yeah, Scotty has kind of been emboldened lately as well. And this is, I think, part and parcel with OJ Ananobi being unavailable as well. 
you know, there's just less in terms of creation, less in terms of shots to go around, less in terms of competition for usage. And so Scotty's had a little bit more on his plate when it comes to creation. And, you know, I think the scoring has more been the thing that's popped for him. The playmaking hasn't quite come because I don't know if teams are really treating like Scotty Barnes the way they treat Siakam where yeah. you know Siakam has a big quarter and they're sending two bodies his way instantly and then it's a he's got to defer he's been really good at it with Scotty teams seem pretty comfortable going one-on-one in their coverages but he keeps on doing these bizarro post-ups where he scores over everybody in the world and it doesn't matter so um you know I, I wonder if maybe there's an adjustment coming to how teams deal with Scotty if it does I mean he's such a good passer that I would imagine that's going to lead to pretty good things for the Raptors but um yeah it, it it's, you know, none of it is as smooth as when Fred's out there. And, and, you know, I think these reps where, you know, they've kind of had these guys, you know, Scotty's been running with some bench lineups kind of as like the sole creator as well lately. It's There's been mixed reviews because he's playing with guys who can't really shoot. You mentioned they play five out. They really kind of play uh, five guys who all sort of stand around the paint. Uh, <laughs> but it, it works in some situations, not always, because it's, you know, you're lacking shooting and, and shot making and stuff like that. But yeah, th- there have been some benefits to Fred not being at 100% or available recently. You know, th- there are probably benefits that are sort of more felt long term, though, because of the extra reps that guys are getting as opposed to stuff that's going to, you know, help them survive if Fred's not available this season, if that makes sense. No, makes total sense. Uh, Sean, let's a break and then we'll we'll tack on some stuff before we, we wrap this up. Let's do it. All right. First, I'm going to tell everyone about Athletic Greens. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, a product I literally use every day. I want to take control of my health, and when they send us some free stuff, which is pretty great, I started getting 75 hot vitamins, minerals, whole source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in my body to start my day. It's a lifestyle-friendly option for you, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. It's there for you. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports mental clarity and alertness. It's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. And best of all, it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements by yourself as well. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional product, and it's trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash NBA network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash NBA network. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And speaking of stuff that's good for you, Chris, uh, we're going to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar as well. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar in the game. You got to try them out. They are fantastic. As someone who doesn't like protein bars, as a rule, I kind of find them gritty or nasty to eat. Uh, Built Bars have been a complete game changer in that department. And I actually like protein bars now, but only Built Bars. I'm a single brand man. And uh, really, you got to check them out. They have a ton of different flavors. So any taste is going to be suited. They've got, you know, mint brownie, which is one of my faves, for example, that's sort of more of the sweet, decadent flavor. You got the fruity flavors, you got raspberry, you got coconut almond, things like that. Uh, you've got nut and nut free flavors for those who have allergies. You don't have to worry. You can get yourself an option, no problem. They're keto friendly as well. And most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that with your standard candy bar, which is going to have like twice the calories 
up to eight times as much sugar and dozens of net carbs as well. You can't be putting all that crap in your body, man. Go and get yourself a Built Bar and feel indulgent without actually being indulgent at Built Bar. They're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Go check them out. And we round out your first listen of the day with myself, Sean Woodley of Lockdown Raptors, Chris Manning from Lockdown Cavs. Before we dive into the thing that Raptors and Cavs fans have been butting heads over all season long, which we've talked enough about on this podcast, we'll hit on it briefly at the end. I kind of just want to get your feeling. Let's do some prediction time, baby. Like you got the Raptors, you got the Cavs, you got the Bulls as well, kind of in this mix here. How do you think this shakes out over the final 13 or so games of the season? Who ends up fifth? Who ends up sixth? Who ends up taking on the probable Nets in the play-in game in the 7-8? Uh, what's your sort of handicap on this situation, this race right now? I think Cleveland probably holds on just because they have the tie. And that three-game lead they had was just like such an advantage. And the, after they get, mm-hmm. they play Denver uh, the night we're, the day we're recording this, that is, they have some easier games on the stretch. They play like Orlando twice. They play the Pistons. They play the Lakers. They can clean up those games. Sadiq Bay's Pistons, baby. <laughs> Look, Sadiq Bay apparently is green in his hair because he's a big fan of the Joker. And I'm just, I'm calmly asking people to stop like fetishizing the Joker, who's like a psychopathic murderer. And like, I just don't know what, what we're doing here. Like, really, like, really just a problem for me that we're like, you know who's great? The, the Joker. A, a, a yeah, that guy who, uh, who who rips people's mouths open with pencils and uh, has, committed <laughs> tons of, has committed so many murders. And we're just like, that's the guy for me right there. A little, yeah, little, yeah. little How weird, tight? Right? What, the super tight, that guy. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really on. worried. I'm really collectively worried about everyone's Joker stand culture. It's like a little problematic. But they get Milwaukee in the last I'm a Riddler season. guy myself. Come Look, on now. Shots, uh, shots to Paul Dano. Just love Paul Dano, but um, <laughs> like last last game of the season, they get Milwaukee. Like Milwaukee might be resting people. Like they do have mm. Philly again, and there's some tough games there. But I think the schedule is easy enough the rest of the way where they can like eke this out. And Jared Allen might be back, and I don't know yeah. like how good he will be, but it, he's not having surgery. It sounds like he's going to try to play again this year. I think that's just enough. Do I feel confident of that? Absolutely not. Do I do just like I, the Chicago part of this is also just the, the wild card to me because if they slip, maybe like, I don't know if they're falling all the way down, but mm-hmm. it seems possible to some degree. It seems totally possible. The, the let me just pull it up again. The the Raptors are currently and the Cavs are currently two games back of the Bulls. The Bulls have lost seven of their last ten. They are reeling. They're really bad against good teams, <laughs> like just getting pasted by good teams. And they have the toughest schedule in the league. I kind of think the Bulls might finish seventh. I think that's like my official stance, honestly. Like they're really in a tough way right now. And with the way the Raptors and Cavs are playing, the Raptors have another game against the Bulls again on Monday. That is probably going to go a long way to determining what happens here. And the, um, the Cavs play the Bulls one more time as well. They just played to yeah. them and lost. Uh, but right. that game, second half back to back. But the second one should be a little more optimal if they're going to win that game. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot to sort of, again, it's so close, it's probably silly to have any sort of like hard and fast predictions or anything like that, but just with the way things are trending right now, the Raptors seem to have found their defense. Pascal Siakam is playing as good as he's ever played. Uh, You know, his his scoring lately has been off uh, out of this world. Um, His overall numbers lately have been fantastic. Scotty Barnes has come along after kind of a lull in his season before the All-Star break. He's been more or less excellent since the All-Star break without fail. 
Um, and, you know, they're going to get OG Ananobi back at some point here, too, who should, in theory, just plop into what their defense has been doing and only make it that much more stout. So I think the Raptors stand a pretty good chance here of climbing up and getting out of that seventh spot. Whether they pass both teams, I'm not sure. Um, but I think I would probably peg the Bulls right now as my like favorite to finish seventh just because of the way they're trending. And, and look, things can, can flip. The Raptors could hit a dry spell here. The Cavs could go on a, on a heater and you know things change really quickly. But um, as it stands right now, if I'm kind of power ranking the teams I feel best about, I think I'd probably go Raptors, Cavs, Bulls, sort of one, two, three. Is that fair? Do you disagree? No, I think that's right. I was looking at, I pulled up the strength of schedule when you said it, so I hadn't looked at this in a while. The rest of the season, the Cavs have the fifth easy schedule. Toronto has the mm-hmm. seventh. Brooklyn, by the way, has the eighth. And uh, that's that's <laughs> terrifying. I mean, of yeah. course, like Kyrie also isn't playing a bunch of games. But, yeah. He's only playing in four of their last 12, if I, I, mean, uh, you know, I saw who, that number. Who, yeah. who, among, who among us, Sean, wouldn't like to work a partial schedule for, for dumb reasons? Um, and then Honestly, Chicago, it's, the, uh, it's living the dream, baby. And then <laughs> the, the Bulls. The rest of the season, uh, according to the positive residual, have the second hardest schedule the rest of the way, a winning percentage of 56.7% against teams the rest of the way. The only team with a harder schedule based on winning percentage is the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Slaughter for the for the <laughs> Lakers, who have a six. The, the Lakers are too far out probably to <laughs> fall to 11th, but they, they're, they're like two and a half games they, up on the Spurs, they, man. Like, they have, it could they happen. Have, they have a the fifty nine point three percent winning percentage for teams the rest of the way for them. God, God Oof. bless. Uh, LeBron might be getting a long vacation, bro. But like, it's there, beautiful. there, there is a window here. Like, there, you're, I think you're mm-hmm. right, and especially like, it doesn't seem like Alex Caruso is like back to hundred percent yet. It doesn't yeah. seem like. I mean, even if they get Lonzo Ball, can you be sure he's going to provide the same stuff the rest of the way? Zach Levine is hurt. Like, there is. It does seem like there is a a window there for this to be. Cleveland and Toronto like avoid the plan. One of them gets Boston around when one of them gets Philly. And mm-hmm. then, then, you know, Chicago has to navigate the plan. And that, that seems possible. I, I, I haven't like looked at, I wonder what the, the actual odds on that are, um, yeah. but it, it seems in play at the very least. hundred uh, percent. We should round out here. You know, we, it can't be a Raptors and Cavs podcast without at least mentioning the rookie of the year race. We've talked about it a lot on this show. Uh, I have expressed my uh, exhaustion with the concept of it being like a done deal that Mobley's going to win. Um, you know, I, I just I think that kind of undercuts how good this class is to be like, oh, well, he's very clearly so much better than everybody. Yeah, his defense is incredible, but like other guys are doing more on offense. So, you know, I don't need to rehash my old old arguments, but. For you, like, what's your read on the rookie of the year race, Chris? Like, do you think this is shirt up for Mobley? Obviously, his defense is sort of like the outlier's skill here, but Scotty Barnes has been putting up buckets lately. He's obviously improved defensively as well, along with the rest of the Raptors. Um, he's not playing all NBA defense the way that uh, Evan Mobley is playing, but he's not been any slouch on that end. Uh, where are you at with the sort of state of the rookie of the year race? And you have to mention Cade Cunningham as well. Otherwise, the freaks from uh, Pistons Internet are going to be in your in your mentions like crazy and downvoting your videos. Yes, I'm still mad about that last week, but uh, <laughs> that's, 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 loser. That's, that's loser behavior right there. Yeah. Uh, where, yeah where are you at with uh, people, rookie of the year? People need better hobbies. Like, go read a book, man. Like, for real. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. get healthy. But, like, <laughs> I, I think Evan Mobley, like, is the favorite. The offensive stuff is sort of, like, the the trick thing. It's also just, like, he's, like, an average offensive player when, like, he's mm-hmm. – 
like and just the, his defensive level is just so insane. And I think the caveat here for me is, like, I think everyone who is, if we're being like transparent about how we view this, we've we watch the teams that, that we're hosting podcasts on like ninety five percent more than we watch any of these other teams. And then we're using numbers, yeah, hundred percent, like, yeah, right. So like, there is like a level of like like there's stuff that we are missing when we don't have the time to like watch all of these games. Um, I think it's I think to me the one two is is Mobley and Scotty. And I think I put Mobley ahead because I think the defense is just so far ahead. And I I think his offense, like the metrics don't love his offense in a way that I find interesting, but I find mm -hmm. his offense to like have improved in certain ways that doesn't it's not like he's hitting threes, but he's making reads. He's he's actually like adding value on offense in a way that I find interesting. But I think it is those mm -hmm. two guys. And I think it's also in part because these are the two teams that are actually good and these guys have impacted winning. Like Kate is yeah. clearly impacting winning. I, I don't know what's going on in Houston. Jalen, I'm I'm Jalen Green, uh, a little little unsure about what's what's going. The on. The Rockets are on my don't you. There's not enough time in the world to watch the Rockets and feel like you're using your time well. No thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm out on watching the yeah. Rockets. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've watched more like Magic basketball than I have uh, Houston basketball, which is weird. But um, I think it's these two guys, and I think Mobley gets the lead. But like, if you, I don't think it is like so shut down that. There can't be an argument, but I think the only guys yeah. I would make an argument for is is Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes, and then Kate is third. I, I think I I'm with you. Yeah. yeah, I just don't think oh, I can ahead. make like I know I just don't think I can make like a real case for Cade to be in that three just based on like his first month of the season like just being non-existent. Yeah, I, th I think that's fair. It is a full season award. Cade Cunningham might end up being the best player of the bunch, uh, which is totally fine, <laughs> and why he was the first overall pick. The award is Rookie of the Year. It's not Best Player uh, in 10 Years of Among Rookies of the Year. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that Mobley's in the lead now, too. That defense does give him an edge. But I, I think, you know, we, we're still going to have a race on our hands down the stretch because of the way Scotty Barnes has played, the uptick in his role overall in the offense, the way he's kind of just, like, bodying dudes with his isos night after night. Uh, you know, that stuff matters. And, you know, if he continues this run he's been on where he's been averaging almost 20 a game for like a month, I, I think you're probably and, you know, maybe he wins himself another rookie of the month this month after winning it last month. That all kind of goes into people's uh, perception of the award as well. You got to kind of get in the mind of voters. And if he's got sort of the recency bias in his favor, then I think that could certainly help his case. Um, you know, again, I would say Mobley in a slight lead right now, but I think there's lots to play for with this. And do you think it's fair? You know, there's been the sort of, well, whoever finishes higher should just get it. Do you think that's a fair way to look at it? No, I think that, yeah, if, that if everything was like flatly equal, mm -hmm. then yes. But I think no, I, I think that everything is probably not flatly equal if we look at it across yeah. the board. I am like fair. I am like very much looking forward to I hope like one of like maybe Locked in NBA will do it, maybe like some other program will do it. Uh that like I would like to get like the I would list for the first time in my life I've wanted because this class is so good, I think I would listen mm -hmm. to like an hour breakdown of this award race because I think it actually is yeah. compelling to some degree. And it is for sure. There's actually like more it's not like this is like Embiid and Malcolm Brogdon, where it's like <laughs> We'd love to give this award to Joe Embiid, but he's played. We had like a technicality versus a guy who was fine. What are we doing yeah, here? A guy yeah, who it's... played a lot of minutes <laughs> and like, and, or a guy who's like clearly a generational superstar but hasn't played enough. Or like, this yeah. isn't going to be like a Michael Carter Williams award situation. Like, who's had a really 100%. nice career and everything, but like, we have guys that I th in in Scotty, in Cade, in Mobley that are like going to be like fixtures of Eastern Conference teams for a long time. 
we would think. Yeah. And that's the thing that gets me most excited is not what's going on with the rookie of the year race, but it's thinking, oh my God, the Eastern Conference might run through these three guys for the next decade. And that is extremely cool. And we should all be very thankful. And every time I watch the Raptors and Cavs, I'm just like, oh my God, we're in on the ground floor of something awesome here. And this is going to last for a very, very long time. Um, Chris, this podcast has lasted for a very, very long time, so we should probably wrap it there. Yeah. Do you have anything the good people out there should know about where people can find the show? Uh, check out Lockdown Cavs, subscribe on YouTube. Don't download videos because we, we don't like Kate Cunningham. That's weird. Just lose your behavior. Um, and uh, <laughs> read me on Diamond Up Rocks and feel the sort of if you're so inclined. There's a reason I left the Cade shout outs to the very end. Uh, some people maybe didn't make it all the way. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I mean, still. Just, just loser behavior get a hobby Here, let me let's both do this and then we can get the screen cap for the thumbnail there we go right. mm, there we go nick, time nick's gonna, nick, 39 nick, 45 perfect yeah yeah you're nick angstad if you made it this long hope you're doing well thanks boss uh we're gonna wrap it up there thank you so much you can find locked on raptors wherever you get your podcast for free you can subscribe follow rate review all that good stuff both locked on Cavs and locked on raptors you can find us both on youtube and uh, thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. The aforementioned Locked On NBA as our pal Nick Angstadt and the rest of the daily crew over there breaking down all the games you might have missed. It's all Magic Pistons on your Friday episode of Locked On NBA, baby. 30 minutes of Sadiq Bay. Go check it out. We will round it out there. And we will talk to you again very soon, uh, I guess, on Monday in both of our cases. Uh, bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.